finals now yeah, yeah i'm good i i can't believe it it felt like halfway through the season the nba was gonna have to close it down we remember way back when we were talking about a bubble playoff potentially and would, would the league though rather have gone through another bubble playoff or got bucks Suns as the championship uh for sure bubble playoff because that probably would have guaranteed the lebron james uh, finals appearance almost um <laughs> yeah it's wild that we've arrived to this point um it feels like a year i mean a year ago we were talking about the bubble starting um and now we're here at uh, maybe another potential finals here or uh, not potential finals we are at the finals um it's happening today which is just nuts um but it's all exciting and before we get too far into that, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, if you search for NBA Couch and Pod, you'll be able to find us there. Uh, and if you haven't already, go ahead and leave us a review uh, or a rating on the podcast platform of your choice, and we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you missed episode 113, we're on episode 114. Welcome. Uh, but if you have, haven't listened to episode 113, uh, we talked about some conference finals and updated there. And we didn't have anything else. That's pretty much all we talked about, which was awesome. Um, and for the news, we're not doing news. We're just going to talk basketball, Matt. That's all we're doing. This is this is the playoffs. Goods. The goods. We're, we're just at that point of the year. Like, again, people are talking about like coaching candidates and draft combine and all that. But not the time. We can get to that later. Yeah, this not is, the time. This is when we need to be talking about Cancun trips and uh, and NBA Finals trips. Yeah. So let's start with the Cancun trips. Those are always fun. My favorite part, and Patrick Beverly's favorite part, apparently, too. All right. One, two, three, starting with those LA Clippers. So you mentioned Pat Bev is out, PG. But, but Ryan, do, do the Clips have a nice out? Get out of jail free card here. No Kawhi for the entire series, right? Missed the last couple to Utah. Just never. I don't know if he ever made it out of the, the that uh, luxury box. The top of the <laughs> uh, do, do they have the out here? I so I struggle with this because yes, you could say like yeah, Kawhi got injured. But also, this was maybe your best chance to make the finals if you're the L.A. Clippers, right? Like, yeah, no Lakers, no Lakers, um, no you, peak Warriors, no peak Warriors. None of these teams that the Clippers have really had. I mean, no Nuggets. Like, sure. what the Clippers would have wanted to see the Nuggets, a fully healthy Nuggets team again, probably not. Um, and they barely managed to get back. Luca and no one else essentially uh I don't and like even looking at this team going forward like you talk about like who can you bring back on this team like Reggie Jackson performs so well that the Clippers probably are out of his price range now right like who are you retaining on this team like you now have to start looking at guys like 
Terrence Mann to step up in big ways, which he did in this playoff run. Um, but long-term, is that someone you can continually rely on um, to create offense? And that's that's something that this team really has to look at as the starting guards, right? Like that, that's point of contention. Um, and, you know, Reggie Jackson was great, but I don't, I think he's going to make upwards of $15 million this next season. So how, how in the world are the Clippers expected to pay him? I'll say that this, this crazy statement of the Clippers need Reggie Jackson to take a discount, to stay with the Clippers, <laughs> a hometown discount. <laughs> what a world. Because like they can offer him, I think it's like $10 million a year. Like they yeah. can offer him more, but like they can offer him that, which is pretty, you know, nice, nice dollar considering where he was like getting bought out from the Pistons two sure. seasons ago. Sure. And so you're maybe there is something out there that'll pay him 15 million, but maybe the Clippers are like, Hey man, come back and play for us at eight. And maybe yeah. he says it's, you know, he was super emotional um, and like the post game of like how like they saved his career, career and life and everything. And so it's like, I don't know, maybe he will, but like the point is, like you're relying way too much on Reggie Jackson there. Yeah, like you mentioned Terrence Mann. We like Terrence Mann, big fan. Like he's he's kind of limited, but he he's a really nice role player though. Like he's definitely a guy you want. Probably like the ones that you're feeling a bit more as as the Clippers are more so like the Morris and Kennard contracts. Yeah. Of like you Morris, he'll have like a really nice game. Like we saw he went for like 20 and like a half. But then the rest of the series, it's like he was just kind of out there. He he was convinced all the time it was Marcus Morris time, right? Like that's the problem with Marcus Morris. Like it's great to have him when he's playing great, but when he's trying to post up like Devin Booker. Because he's like, I got a mismatch. It's like that's not really the offense we're looking for here, bud. Um, And and like with Kennard – not that Kennard's a great player. I'm not trying to act like that, but like he brings offense to that team. Yeah, like from that, like a dude who like kind of has some irrational confidence with shooting the three, but like kind of should have the irrational confidence. Whereas like sometimes like Marcus Morris when he's hot, he's like he's great, but like when he's not, like, it's not great. Taking shots, yeah. So like I don't. It, does Kennard just need to be a little more power? Like is that it? Or like what's the deal? Not that that fixes all the problems, but like you can't have someone on your books for sixteen million. That like your coach, who's you know in large Tyloo has been praised about how he handled the playoffs, and he should be. Yeah. Um, but like Luke Kennard's a guy that like even Tyloo like wasn't sure what to do with. You know. Yeah, it's always. I, I mean, that's the thing we've talked about throughout the season with the Clippers. Is like outside of a quiet PG. Like when you need someone, like who's that person going to be? And throughout the playoffs, they've kind of patched, they found a way to patch things through, whether that was like a Nick Batum game, whether it was a Reggie Jackson game, Marcus Morris would be in spurts, right? Um, and even Terrence Mann gave him great, great minutes and great games. But I think it becomes like a point of diminishing returns for this Clippers team when you're talking long term. Like, yeah, Nick Batum was good this year. But how long is that going to last? Like yeah. you saw saw Chris Paul go at him time and time again. Like he Nick Batum wouldn't last on the floor with like LeBron James. Like if we're talking about like 
potential Lakers matchup, he's not the guy you can have out there, right? Sure. Um, no, you can't. And I think it feels like they, the Clippers have to bring him back because he brought something to this team that they don't have anywhere else. Um, and so, like, yeah, maybe if Kawhi plays, like, they win, win that series. But he didn't play because he's hurt and he's been hurt. Um, he just kind of is hurt. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, you can chalk it up to this Kawhi injury, but this team was formed. They didn't you know, trade all those draft picks to not make the finals. Like that's what it comes right. down to. Right. So in two years of this exper- Clippers experiment, it's not, the results have not been great. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of what ultimately this comes back to, to be honest, is the whole, we, we traded everything. Right. And, and we couldn't get past a very good Suns team, but we couldn't get past the Suns. Yeah, right. And then last year. So, you know, like, I, I get the frustration. I get why they're not into it. Um, or a lot of fans, like, aren't into, like, the idea of this team. I, part of me just feels like they'll, like, bring Kawhi back, somehow get back to about the same spot. Yeah. And just pray he plays yeah and like it, it's just different and that's sometimes the league yes yeah. like you just kind of got to get there and then really hope your guys are healthy going against a team that is healthy or slightly not healthy yeah and your shot goes in and their shot doesn't like sometimes that's just like <laughs> the fickleness of the nba right yeah. right i mean like it, it's crazy i think to your point like yeah i think there was some somebody on Twitter, of course, was going off on how the Clippers should trade Kawhi. And, like, that's just a ridiculous sentiment in and of itself. Like, the Clippers aren't trading Kawhi, one, because that would ruin any reputation the Clippers do have. And, two, Kawhi is one of the five best players on the planet, right? Right. So, like... You can't do that. You can't do that. Um, I I think you're right. Like, you have to run it back. Like, there's not really, like, do we see this team as limited? Yes, but we've also seen limited teams make final runs, right? Like, this Milwaukee team is a great example. We'll talk about them later. They're super limited, but they got, they're healthy at the right time and their shots went in. Mm-hmm. Like, to your point, that's, that's, it. that's the difference between them getting bounced in the second round and everyone losing their jobs versus they made the finals. Sure. Right, like that's that's it, that's all. Like Philly not having a championship appearance or not getting there or winning one, and now we all hate Philly. Yeah, that's all it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's wild how. I guess we can talk about all of these other things, like how team building and chemistry and all these other things, but really it just comes down to: Are your dudes healthy, and who's making shots? Yeah, and on dudes making shots, just real quick, PG like did have some really great moments throughout the playoffs. Like, don't get me wrong, like, we're going to remember some of the times where he missed, like, the free throws at the end of, the, uh, of one of those games and whatever. But, like, he really was great. Like, I don't know, if you're quiet, I think you watched that, like, the end of that playoff run and be like, we can do something together, like, PG and Kawhi. Yeah, I think... got to get all the time. But I, I think what I feel about PG now is, like, I don't really care what he does for 82 games. 
I only care what he does in the playoffs. Yeah. And so like, if you can just get enough from the playoff playoff P like that's fine. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like that's what this team is going to be judged by. They could be the number one seed in the West next year. And I don't think any of us are going to care until playoff yeah. time hits. Right. Um, that's what this team is judged by. And that's what Paul George is now going to be judged by is his playoff performance, whether that's right or wrong. It is what it is. That's where the discourse has become for right. Paul George. Um, I, I I think you're right. He had an awesome performance. Like he didn't have awesome performances in Oklahoma City and he didn't have one last year, but he was really solid in the playoffs. And the only reason they were able to get as far as they did um, in the Western Conference. So not to get too deep into this, that's not the point of the pod. Do you... Do you go try and find a way to sign and trade, acquire Kyle Lowry? Some sort of Luke Kennard, Pat Beverly, Mook Morris, whatever. So I think think if you can, you do. Because Kyle Lowry would unlock this team in a way that we just, I mean, just haven't seen. Like it takes creation solely off Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah and puts it on someone else who can't consistently do that um, yeah. and doesn't mind taking backseat to those two guys. The, the I, Kawhi if, reunion? Yeah. If the, the I mean, Kawhi. like, if they – let me ask you this. If they don't win the finals this next season or make a final, finalist appearance, what do, what do you start talking about with this Clippers team? Because Kawhi would be on the wrong side of 30 at that point. Right. And – you're right, you get into some tricky spots here, especially with the big PG contract. Right. I don't, I don't know what you are. Are you effectively Portland? Yeah. Point? Like, at, at what point do you look at this and, like, these two guys can't win together? And for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, another injury, I mean, it's just, like, at some point, an, an owner like Steve Ballmer, or governor, excuse me, wants to see a championship, right? That's what he's paying all this money for. That's what he's building this new stadium for. And at some point, something's got to give. Either, I mean, we've seen front office change. We've seen coaching change. The next step is player change, right? Yeah. And not just the fringe Reggie Jackson guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, this is their all-in year. So you do whatever you... I think as a front office, you do whatever you have to to make that finals appearance happen because your job's online at that point. I have to too. All right, so now we'll go east. We'll go to the Atlanta Hawks. The Cinderella story ends. Good effort, mm. but um, obviously the Trey injury was a big deal. Yeah. Missed uh, one game, played the other, but obviously it was a bit hobbled. Looked okay, honestly, like physically. Like he didn't look so far off. Um, it's not like he was dragging his leg out there. <laughs> but, you know, you could tell he wasn't quite 100%. For operative. sure. Um, but, but Atlanta did learn, I think, a lot of positive things about their other wings mm-hmm. during this playoff run from Bogdanovich, who you kind of already knew was a baller, um, even with that terrible haircut, to <laughs> Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, uh, made sure to get his name out there in that last game. Yeah. So for Atlanta, like 
again, we, we talked about it. It was all gravy for them. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is after this run, it's like the conversation is big. They took care of business with Nate McMillan, number one. That was important. They did the right thing there. It was like day after the season. And yeah, Nate McMillan's our head coach going forward. Yeah. Two is figuring out John Collins. What do you do with John Collins? We are very pro John Collins on this podcast. And I think it would be stupid of Atlanta to get rid of John Collins. But at some point, these guys all have to get paid, right? What you just said, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Sure. Who? Yeah, DeAndre Hunter was hurt. And he looked like the better player for the majority of the season out of those guys. Right. And I don't know. I, I think John Collins proved that he's a playoff winning type of player. Um, and you just have to pay him, whether you pay him the max or not. I think you kind of figure it out later. You have to keep this young core together, right? Well, yeah, because with Collins, he started doing like the hustle rebounds, yeah. all like those little things. Like He built that into his game. So, like, you're right. There's got to be a number. There's got to be a line in the sand somewhere for him. But, like, if that line in the sand was $15 million, now it's, it's, like, moved to, like, $20 million. Right. Hawks like, we'll pay anything up to $20 million a year. But mm. like, that's our line. Yeah. You know, whereas before it was, we're not going over fifteen. If someone wants to offer him 18 see you later. I think I think that line has moved. Because you're right, there, there has to be – some sort of like understanding there's more guys coming up to get paid including trey trey's going to get to get paid also um and he's going to get a larger sum than all those other guys because he went the all-star appearance so we'll see how they handle that but that's still a couple years away but it's something you do have to think about now in terms of on the court like you mentioned locking up nate, nate mcmillan smart like, yep. right you gotta you gotta ride the wave um as long as you can and it's a good problem to have. I'm a little worried about like, okay, let's just assume like the wings are actually all healthy, which it never felt like all their wings were healthy at the same time between uh, Herder, Hunter, Reddish, and Bogdanovich. Yeah. What happens when you have all four of those guys healthy? <laughs> like, I mean, a Hunter can play some four. Don't get me wrong. Reddish can probably play some four just because of the height. Um, but like, what do you do there long term? You can't keep all four of them around. Like, yeah. It, it, that's a great point. Is like these guys are going to start wanting uh, because they've hit this limit. I wonder if they run into some of what the Celtics had that one year they made the Eastern Conference Finals, where the year after the guys were expecting a certain level of playing right. time, certain level of touches. Right. And now, like, I mean, you trust Nate McMillan to be able to handle that and you know, navigate that, but it's a tough thing to do, especially with young players. I think this team has gotten like the little taste of winning that they've needed to maybe calm some of those egos down. Um, but I, I don't know. It feels like if they're able to keep this young core together, I mean, Reddish can almost defend anybody. Like he was awesome. Well, he's got, we, we talked about when he came into the league, like the body is fantastic athleticism it's very very good like he's got the great size out there it's it's more just like finding his role right what is he you know is he your number one option probably not is he really good number two or three you know Nate McMillan made the Paul George comparison 
it's not too far off in terms yeah. of what you think he can be based off of build and skill. But like that's a really nice player. But like that guy isn't trying to sit on the bench for three years either. Yeah, come off the bench. And that's the thing is like who who's gonna be the sixth man or who's gonna be part of that second unit? You'd have to imagine it would be her a combination of her and reddish. I can't imagine them throwing Hunter back on the bench or like Collins back on the bench. Yeah. Um, so I, it's going to be a tricky thing to navigate for the Hawks. I don't think it's ever going to be really solved. Um, and I'm sure someone's going to want out eventually. Yeah. And that's like you mentioned with the Collins contract. When it becomes a problem, deal with it. But yeah. up until then, just keep riding the wave. Yeah. Which is probably a smart thing to do. You're Atlanta. You haven't had great basketball in a while because even like the 60 win team like flamed out you know in the playoffs so it's like just keep riding this wave as long as you can and uh keep i mean trey young happy i mean how can he not be after that playoff performance yeah i think we learned a ton about Trey in this playoff run that he can be that guy like he can be that dude he's never going to be luca but man he's he's as close as you can get without being Luca, I think, you know, yeah. he can do a lot of awesome things on the court. Um, With just so, like some clear air areas to improve on, like oh for sure, we we talked about it. Um, I know United and like some people who like are who willing to say it, like on you know Twitter is like he's got to become a better shooter, like and that's weird because I I think everyone views Dreyon as a shooter. And we've always said it. His best skills is passing. We'll reemphasize it. His best <laughs> skills getting is like carving his way into the defense and then finding Capella on like this beautiful touch pass lob. I mean, that's but, how he killed the Bucks in game one of the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. It was all floaters and lobs and then spraying it out to shooters. Yeah. You know, and that's when he's at his best. And then the jump but, shot opens up for him because everyone's got to stay a little tighter to their guy. And his man doesn't know what he's going to do. Right. At that point, is he driving to score? Is he driving to pass? Is he taking a jump shot? What's he doing off the ball screen? So it's a little different. But like when the Bucks were kind of like, yeah, set the high pick and roll and we'll go under and like slightly hedge. So that way you're taking a three pointer from five feet behind the three point line. Just go ahead. Yeah. You'll make one, but you're going to miss seven. Look <laughs> at those odds. Like, not that like that's necessarily the shot he has to get better at, but the idea of like he missed a lot of wide open like catch and shoot threes, like that's not really his game, which is yeah. a little weird, you know. But it just like he's got to learn. He's always been on the ball, or you know, like maybe it is coming off and hitting the live dribble three a little bit better. Like he was very, 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 very good. He really was, but he's got areas to improve too, for sure. For sure. And that's the thing, like he was taking those long, like Steph Curry Dame threes. And like I think I saw a stat, he was like 30% on those, like since the Philly series or something like yeah. that. And it's like yeah, those are cool to take, but you're not efficiently hit like he's not Steph Curry. I think that's the comparison that um we have to stop with is he's not Steph Curry. No, he's not like that heat check three from like the logo. Yeah. It, like it looks cool when it goes in, and trust me, it feels really good when it goes in. But you you can't assume that shot's going in, that yeah. especially when 
when you're on game like 90 of the season and you're in a playoff brutal battle, you can't be like, that's the shot I'm going to take right here. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you saw it, the Bucks turned it on him. Like they would just like Giannis would just sprint out and, you know, or whoever would just sprint out and go to the paint and like kind of attack him on defense. Like that's how they would attack him. Um, so the defense thing, I don't know if that's ever really getting better though, because like he is not getting bigger. I think he, he can put on like 10 pounds and he can become a little more feisty, like campaign is. Like, yeah. Trying to like poke it out and whatever. But like the defense is the defense for him, I think. There's always going to be that one player who just stands in the corner on the other team's offense sure. at, in, in the playoffs. And like that's the guy he's guarding. Like that's just it. Yeah, and then there's like, you know, example, P.J. Tucker. Right. But then P.J. Tucker kind of figured out by the end, like, I'm six inches taller and like 80 pounds heavier than this dude. I'm just going to crash the offensive boards every single time. Yeah, and it's like we saw P.J. Tucker come up with a ton of huge, like, hustle plays, you know, the long rebound or whatever it was. Like, he was always around it. And then when you're at home – the crowd sees you doing that and your, your teammates get hyped. You find Chris Middleton for an extra shot that you wouldn't have otherwise got. And now he's hitting 20 points in a quarter. <laughs> like all of a sudden now everything's rocking. And yeah, Trey Young didn't have to like be involved in the play, but like he kind of was. He yeah. kind of ended up was. And you still got to finish the play. And if PJ Tucker's willing to stand in the corner and jog back, then Trey's great on defense. But if he's not, it's it's an equal problem right right 100 percent. well all right playoffs let's talk let's not talk about the teams who lost anymore and patrick beverly let's let's do real finals it's the finals matt yeah again the one no one no one saw coming phoenix milwaukee i know you had money on this to begin the season (laughs) (laughs) i i mean we said we thought phoenix was gonna be good not this good. I think we, I like, I was like, yeah, the Phoenix, I think I, I was bold and put them as like a four or five. Like yeah, just I, a, I was somewhere in like that five, six. Like I was like, oh, they're really good five, six. Chris Ball's going to lead in there. Not to two and not certainly not to the finals. No. Who's more of a surprise this season, Phoenix or Milwaukee? Um, Probably Phoenix. You know, Milwaukee, Milwaukee surprise is finally breaking through. Yeah, but it again, if they would have beat the fully healthy Brooklyn Nets, I wouldn't say Milwaukee because I still think that would have been like shocking. Yeah, like the best series out of anything we would have watched all playoffs. But again, injury is not what happened. So I'm going to go Phoenix here. Um, Chris Paul balling out in the final game against the Clippers. The you know, the moment of the night was when Chris Paul hit that three, last three, and he untucks. just un- untucks his shirt in the yeah. middle <laughs> yeah, uh, in the middle of the court and just jogs back. That was absolutely yeah. the highlight. Like y'all get out of here. Like yeah. this is it. this is this done. is still my home court, by the way, and walks away. Yeah, that was pretty baller. Um not gonna lie. So let's uh let's start with Phoenix. So uh CB3 balls out, Devin Booker, even with a broken nose still playing pretty well i mean we've talked about it throughout the year really good team here 
Yeah. And then obviously we've had the emergence of DeAndre Ayton, like taking a, what seems to be like a, a legitimate step forward in the playoffs. What just generally speaking, how do you, how do you like their chances, Ryan? This is really tough. So my heart says, like, if I'm looking at the series, my heart says the Phoenix Suns, because I've, I've fallen in love with this team. This team is just like so fun to just root for. I think you and I were texting about it the other night when they won the Western conference um, about, is this like just the most like scrap heapy team ever? Like no one wanted Chris Paul on this contract. Devin Booker was picked 13th. He wasn't even picked top 10. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, controversial, picked number one, right? We thought he was kind of a bust. Monty Williams has been at multiple coaching and multiple coaching roles now. Um, Cam, Cameron Payne, like all these guys, you can go through their roster essentially and, and kind of pick out like this team is somewhat just like a scrap heap of team uh, of a team. Um, I just like this team. Like, it, like you said, it's a good team. Like they have 10 guys they can throw out in the finals. Yeah. Like there's, I don't remember another, maybe the heat last year, but like, other than that, there's haven't been very many teams who have done that. Yeah. I don't know if they were this deep, but like, yeah, like the worst, what do you say? Like the worst guy for Phoenix is like Tory Craig, but he's like kind of hitting, hitting a little in the playoffs. So like hot Tory Craig <laughs> is not bad, you know? So this team's just like a, the Suns team, is obviously really well coached, um, but they're just a smart passing team. They're a smart offense team, and they are really good on defense. I think that's like the underrated thing about the Suns team. Um, they just defend really well, and a lot of that's due to DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder and some of these wing guys, um, and I think they kind of match up well against Milwaukee. It's not a terrible matchup. Um First, what I really like about Phoenix is it. No one on that team feels robotic. Like, yeah, it's like they're all just kind of hoopers. You know, <laughs> I kind of felt that same way about Atlanta. Like Atlanta, like the injuries and like the skill, just like wasn't ultimately enough against Milwaukee. But it's like those dudes were just ballers out there. Gallows hitting like ridiculous shots, you know, and Bogdanovich is doing things. Um, out on the perimeter like this phoenix team is kind of saying like obviously paul and booker are like like the leads of this but like bridges is kind of just a dude like crowder is kind of like that one dude at like the playground that like talks way too much but like but then he hits like a shot and it's yeah. like i guess you can talk you know aiden's just kind of like the bully inside now like just a bunch of dudes out there which i really appreciate um i in terms of matchup I mean, I I think it's going to be interesting for Aiden. I'm going to start there, actually. Yeah. Because Brooke Lopez is someone we like, you know, when we were talking in the Atlanta series, we're like, can Brooke Lopez play in this series? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, it has to figure out how to be big. Okay, well, now you have two massive human beings. <laughs> like, absolutely massive people here as an Aiden. And Lopez is going to have his moments where it's like, oh, he showed the young guy, like, some old tricks. and. Yeah get some buckets or get some fouls on him. Aiden's going to have moments where he kind of overpowers Brooke. Cause he's, you know, got those young legs and it's kind of that dominant um, physical force. But then 
I, I don't really know if one team's going to have a significant advantage. In theory, Phoenix should because Aiton's their third best player. Right. And, but if Milwaukee wins the minutes where Brooke is out there and with Aiton, that means Milwaukee's fourth, I guess, fourth best player is beating out the Suns' third best player. And that's, that's a really tough look then. Right. And you also have the team, like the league MVP, two time MVP on your team in Milwaukee also. Right. So that would be really tough. I'm not saying like the center position is going to totally determine how this series goes. But if Phoenix can't win like those type matchups, I really don't know if they have a chance. Like they have to win the Mikhail Bridges versus whomever minutes. Yeah. They have to win the Jay Crowder versus whomever minutes. Like all of those guys have to win their matchups. I think. Right. Exactly. I think the Aiden matchup is going to be interesting. Because I think he could kind of play honest. Like, that might be the matchup there, right? Like, if Lopez isn't on the floor, like, do you put him on Giannis? Like, who uh, else – who who is the other option there? Crowder? Well, and that's the problem. That That's the one glaring who guards Giannis thing because, like, Crowder – Crowder's going to say he wants the assignment. Yeah. Get it. Like, he's, a, he's stronger um, than all the other wings – He's done it before, like guarding like that guy. Bridges feels like one where it's like this the moment Giannis, Giannis would lose a I mean a split second, like control the ball. Mikhail feels like the guy who could poke it away though. Right. And like force like three turnovers a game on just like the Giannis has this incredible, you know, length. But Mikhail just perfectly times like the moment where Giannis, you know, starts to like lose control of that dribble on like the back down or something and pokes it away and Chris Paul comes up with it and they're often running the other way. The obvious answer is there's no one guy. Yeah, right. right? It, I mean, that's the thing with Giannis. It has to be that wall type of defense um, that has to get set up. I, I, I feel I would feel good about. I guess bridges on um, Middleton. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I don't love the matchup for Drew Holiday. Like I, Chris Ball, Drew Holiday, and then Hyde Booker on Tucker. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the play. Yeah. I, 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 just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't love that necessarily. Um, but I mean, you kind of—I guess—you kind of look at the Drew Holiday film from the last two series and kind of shrug your shoulders because he played amazing in those two games without Giannis to close out the, or those three games, I guess, without Giannis um, to close out the Atlanta series, and he didn't in the uh, series against the Nets. So I guess you kind of just hope that he has an offensive dry spell again. Yeah. And, and you kind of just leave them on an island. I I don't know. That's the thing with Drew is like it's it's very like off and on, off and on, off and on. When it's on though, he's putting up twenty nine and thirteen. Yeah, I I think part of it, and I mean Booker's improved defensively. Not where I like want him guarding Drew Holiday maybe, but like he's improved. So if you do have to put him there, it's not the worst thing. But to the point of if Drew drives like he wants to score and then reads the defense and finds the open looks 
that's when he's at his best. Yeah. When he's just like, let me pass the ball around to find, you know, Chris Middleton because I need Chris, Chris needs the shot right now. That's not Drew being overly effective. It's yeah. same thing to Giannis or Brooke needs a touch in the paint. Gotta give him a look. But when Drew is driving to, for Drew and then sees the help, then Drew will always make the right pass. He'll always know, like, I need to get the, the ball to player X. But it's like how you go about it within the flow of the game. Drew mm-hmm. either can be very impactful or he can be another guy on the perimeter. Yeah. It's a great point. Um, I think that kind of brings us, I mean, we talked a lot about Phoenix so far. I guess we can kind of shift gears to Milwaukee and making the point about offense is I think the series just kind of rises and falls on whether Milwaukee can hit shots. I know that's kind of like a simplistic version of what the series is going to be. Sometimes that's all basketball is though. But if Chris Middleton can't find a way to average around 30 points game in this series, like Milwaukee's not winning the series straight up. Like Drew and Chris definitely have to be at minimum 20, like both of them. One of them has to score 30 every game, I think. That that's not a terrible idea there because like maybe not average 30, but like someone's got to get to 30, like maybe Milton's got to average 25. Yeah. You know, but like that's gotta be it because they have to have some sort of dynamic perimeter player. Yeah. Whether Giannis plays every game or if Giannis misses one or two, they have to have a a dynamic perimeter player because otherwise the sun's defense will just shift even more so towards taking away Giannis and the Brooke Lopez lob, you know, like it's going to make it too easy on a team that's had an, an extraordinary defense all year. Right. So I, I think Chris Milton has shown enough um, playoff moments throughout the last couple of years. And then the playoff stretches this year that like makes you think it's possible for him to have games where he's just going off but part of me is still i can't get all the way there with chris middleton well that's right. the thing is like is this the best defender he's gonna essentially see all of play all of the playoffs they've seen like who right. like in the net series like he wasn't really getting guarded by the best guy yeah i mean there's not a lot of guys playing defense on that that's team and then in the Atlanta series, like he kind of got whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted against whoever he wanted. Yeah. Um, and like this Phoenix team is just not going to give him that. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges is a better defender than like perimeter defender than anyone on either of those two other teams. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I think you're, you had a really good point earlier in that like Mikhail Bridges has to win his minutes against Chris Middleton. And that's, that's going to be the matchup. Like Giannis can get 40, but it's, we've seen it time and time again over the last three Milwaukee playoff runs. If no, if Giannis gets 40, it doesn't really matter all that much because someone else has to be making plays for yeah. Milwaukee. Like if you can hold Middleton to 20 points on 18 shots, feeling pretty good about that. That's a, that's a winning formula, right? Yeah. Um, Cause like in the end, like Milwaukee, like, I mean, again, heck. So let's just say Giannis goes 40, but Milton and Drew each have a really tough 20 points. Okay, that's 80 points on 
what we said was inefficiency from Drew and Middleton. Probably in that situation, because you didn't let them get going, Brooke doesn't get going because he feeds off the guards. And then the other role players, again, like P.J. Tucker, is completely dependent on kickout threes. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Bryn Forbes, same thing. So it's just like, I mean, what are we expecting? More great Bobby Portis minutes? <laughs> like, here, like, I'm all for Bobby Portis. Like, shout out Little Rock. But, like, you know, like, that only goes so far. Like, that can, yeah, I can only, go, like, win you so much. Yeah. Like, it's cool against Atlanta. But, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Bobby Portis needs to win the Dario Sarge minutes, but like we're not talking much beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing is like maybe this is where depth comes into play. Like Cameron Payne, if he can outplay Bryn Forbes or Jeff Teague or Pat Collinson, like you don't feel great about that for Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Well, basically, if Campaign is the best bench player, then either means everyone from Milwaukee sucked or <laughs> it means campaign is balling. Right. Yeah, campaign is balling. Then that means there is a consistent perimeter threat at all times off the dribble on the floor for Phoenix. Cause if you know, you, you can take out one of Booker or Paul and you can put in campaign and mm. he's balling. Then it's like Milwaukee is just not staying in front of any guard at that point then. And yeah. that's disastrous for them. Yeah. How many, uh, if in your estimation, how many Chris Paul, Brooke Lopez ISOs are we going to see in this series? <laughs> I mean, he's going to just come on, pick and roll and just snake that thing back oh to the other elbow for his little, you know, fade jump shot front right there. I mean, he's going to do it until either Brooke Lopez steps higher up, which to Brooke's credit, we did see him do that in the yeah. Atlanta series. He was like, we're not going to let Trey Young shoot a thousand floaters from 10 feet away you know they did make some adjustments so maybe lopez is just a better zubach i mean he's much better than zubach because he has a different offensive game also mm. but like defensively like he's just a slightly better zubach of like i can adjust a little more and then recover for blocks if you do get by i, I don't know i i'm kind of of the Make Chris Paul make tough layups. Yeah. Like, like Chris Paul, for all, everything he's great at, I mean, he's a, don't get me wrong, he's a good finisher. He's not one of those dudes where it's like, wow, he is an incredible finisher. You know, if you can just, that's why he gets so many foul calls because he knows he has to do that. So if you can avoid the foul call, but without giving him the jump shots he's looking to take, then Brooke Lopez you know, does his job at that point. Not that you want to give up layups, but if you make Chris Paul take difficult contested layups, it's almost better than giving him that 14-foot jumper. That 14-foot jumper's going in. <laughs> it feels like 100% of the time. Yeah. Like that dude, I don't, I don't feel like I've seen that guy miss. And I don't know, I would be, I guess that goes back to another point that we if we talked about with Milwaukee is, at least is like, the guard play is going to matter so much in the series. And if Chris Paul outplays any single guard in Milwaukee's roster, that's a disaster too for Milwaukee, right? Probably. I, the thing I feel like I've come to with Milwaukee's guards is it's, it's all streakiness. Yeah. 
it's it's not feel it's not flow it's just one time one basket's gonna finally go in and they're like all right i'm good and like the next eight go in yeah are we gonna get a bryn forbes like five three-pointer like finals game at some point yeah sure like he he has his danny green type game yeah are we gonna everything's falling like pat connington like how many plays is he gonna make i don't I don't know. I I don't know. I the series feels so close to me. I don't. I wouldn't give any either team any edge outside of the Giannis is maybe the best player on either of these teams, and that's the only edge I can give to Milwaukee because it feels like a pretty even series. It it feels like one to you know ten or nine or whatever. Phoenix is the better team. Yeah, but you know Milwaukee has Giannis, so not to disparage Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but they're not Giannis. Yeah, you know. So, I, I not we got to bring this up now. The Giannis injury. Yes. It from the reports today, we're recording this Monday night. Um, it seems doubtful that Giannis will play. Seems like he's really trying to. Seems like he really wants to but it seems doubtful who's going to play game one. I, I feel like he's coming back for game two. Yeah. Win or lose. Like, I don't even think it matters. I think he's, he's playing game two. So I guess I don't, if Giannis is 80%, I guess we haven't really seen like an 80% Giannis yet. Have we like, what is this? Look it's like? never hurt. What, yeah. uh, what does this look like for him? Is he going to be, and not if he's not as explosive, are you as worried about you know creating that wall? I mean, obviously, like he has that incredible length and can, essentially feels like he can go go gadget arm from the free throw line and lay yeah. it in. But if he's not able to get by anybody, that's a totally different ball game. You right. can kind of pack the paint and just say, "All right, we're going to make you a jump shooting team. Beat us from the outside." Yeah. Yeah, if he can't explode over the top or use that to for that that left leg for that first step, then there is like serious worry there. Cause obviously, like we mentioned, his strength is not the jump shot. So I I don't want to doubt Giannis because to be honest, he's never really given us a great reason to doubt him. Yeah. That like he won't come back, that he won't be great, that he won't get to his spots. The same way Chris Paul gets to his spots for the elbow jump shot. Giannis gets to his spot and then dunks it from like eight feet away. <laughs> you know, like right. Just how it is. <laughs> I, it does it would worry me a lot if I was a Milwaukee fan. If, if they go out, Phoenix wins game one, and you need Giannis to win like to play yeah. game two versus we won game one. Let's play Giannis. See if we can steal game two. Like it's obviously a completely different feeling in that situation. Obviously, both teams know where they want to be in that. It, I don't know. I feel like I'm almost. I, I don't want to be led too much from my heart. I really like watching Phoenix because, like, they just feel like a basketball team. Right. They feel like what it was supposed to be. It's not just because it's Chris Paul running the show. It's just like 
we're passing, we're cutting, we're moving. Just a really smart passing yeah. team. Really great, just flow team. Great feel for every player. It feels like they have a really good feel for the game. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, if I think that that's a great point and that like, if Giannis is needed in game two, like how much does that tilt the series? And is he on a minutes restriction? All these questions. It feels like Milwaukee's kind of primed to not get off to a great start in the series. Like if they get down 2-0 or even get down or tied 1-1 coming out of Phoenix, like what does that mean for the rest of the series? Like I think the worst case scenario, obviously I think Milwaukee would be thrilled if they're tied 1-1, but if they're down 0-2 going back to Milwaukee, that's not great, right? Especially if Giannis is still kind of hobbled or maybe just coming back and starting the first time in the series. Yeah. yeah. I, I think another little thing for me um, before we wrap this up, if it's like a four-point game, I feel like I trust Phoenix more mm. than I do Milwaukee right now. Not that Chris Middleton can't get hot, hit a couple, Drew can't hit a clutch one, whatever. And that's not that. It's more I think I just trust Chris Paul, Devin Booker, every time to get the shot they want and make it more so than I do the guards of Milwaukee and Giannis like obviously like is great but when it comes down to it and like you need a three for example you can't go to Giannis like yeah you know so I think I trust Phoenix slightly more in those situations than I do Milwaukee and maybe it's just we've seen Phoenix have a couple amazing moments in the playoffs late where it's like they just perfectly execute what they needed to to win the game whereas Milwaukee hasn't quite been in that same situation that's a, i mean that's a great point is that we've seen it time and time again with phoenix and like we have a timeout and monty williams is gonna draw up the perfect play yeah and it's not like we i mean we've seen i mean even in that close like game seven overtime game with brooklyn milwaukee kind of just found themselves a win it wasn't necessarily like they executed super great. It was that everyone was dead exhausted from playing 40 minutes for the last three games. Sure. And Chris Middleton hit a shot and Kevin Durant airballed one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think Milwaukee, maybe they do get enough to where it just doesn't matter. I, it, this feels like either Milwaukee has to win in six or they're not winning. I mean, obviously, they, you could say Milwaukee wins in four. But like this just feels like Milwaukee can't let this get to seven. Right. Yeah. It kind of feels That's like if it's gonna be a short series, like Phoenix is gonna win. Like I don't I think the longer the series, there's that sweet spot. I think you're right. Like if it's a six game series, if if you told me the NBA finals today are gonna go six games, who would you pick to win? I would probably say Milwaukee. But if it goes anything like to seven, I would probably say Phoenix. I think I would too. So what, so what is your ultimate lock it up prediction? So I've been in this situation a lot of times. My brain says Milwaukee. My heart says Phoenix, right? I've said this. I'm, I'm going to yet again follow my heart, and it's probably going to get snapped in half. I'm going to say Phoenix and five. Wow. My, a, I'm, it's not the Phoenix part I'm welling at. It's five. I think 
I think Phoenix takes advantage of a hobbled Giannis. Yeah. And I think Chris Paul feels the moment. And like these guys want to get Chris his championship. Yeah. But I I wouldn't be surprised if this goes seven. So I'm thinking this is just me. Again, I, I always have trouble with this too of like fighting what I want to happen. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. And not just like who wins, but like how they win it. Yeah. So I find that incredibly interesting. Like what games do you take and everything and win? I'm, I'm feeling like this series is tied up 2-2. And then Phoenix reels off the last two. Ooh. Something about Chris Paul on the road, like just in game six, I'm just kind of like, he, you know, when he's at, when he's at home, sometimes Chris Paul almost gets too amped up. Like, yeah. And in his head and, like do this do that whatever but like when he's on the road there's a little bit of like him and both Devin Booker are like this like y'all like we're, we're shutting this place down yeah you know? they, they get they they get into the crowd booing them and just like embrace the moment so much more I I could definitely see it going six I almost regret saying five um but I'm gonna I stick with it going it. five six or seven like I, I I envision a very clear reality where all three of those like are distinct possibilities is there do you see a sweep happening with either teams? no no I think both are too good of basketball teams like there's one there's no way Chris Paul would ever get swept in yeah. a situation like this and I was saying there's no way like Giannis like he's not losing one game or yeah. he's not you know, he, he, he's going to get, get a he's game. Gonna, he's going to win a game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's going to get a game. He's at that point in his career. I think you're right. Where he's not just going to roll over like that. Yeah. Um, yeah this series is going to be fascinating. I think it's awesome that we've gotten two smaller market teams in the finals. Um, this is like, I don't know what I wanted for the thunder all along. And it's, and I get to see it lived out through another team. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be, while not L.A., Boston, New York, whatever, this is going to be legitimately terrific basketball. Yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped. We may or may not be doing podcasts for some finals games. We may not. To be determined. Um, but I'm really excited for this finals, man. I'm going to be watching every single game regardless. Of course. Um. Do you have any last parting words? No, I'm good, man. Well, that's been it for episode 114. I can't believe it's already 114. Um, the finals are here, and we're, we're going to be tuned into every single second of it. Um, so we will see you back for episode 115. Yeah.